1: And welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Psychic Josh is resplendent in his Soho house office. Hi, Josh.
2: Boyd, twice in two days. I'm very excited to talk about last night as well.
1: It's the absolute dream. Um, And we've got a star-studded duo of guests. So We have the legendary Jeff Arsenal. Hi, Jeff.
3: Boyd, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Uh, Look, I'm looking forward to hearing your exploits of yesterday evening. Major
1: exploits, major exploits, yeah, yeah, more obviously. exploits to come. And talking of which, we've got Chris Godfrey of The Guardian, of fame, who not only has been on this podcast a couple of times before and is returning, and not only I think is going to the Arsene Wenger film premiere tonight. Are you, are you going, Chris, still? Yeah, that's great. I'll be there. Yeah, uh, we're getting our glad rugs on for that. But also, happened to interview Arsene Wenger in yesterday's Guardian G2 cover story, didn't you?
0: I did indeed. It was uh, the the honour of my career so far. In fact, no, let's let's be honest. It's the honour of my lifetime to be. A yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, you gratuitously used, wielded your power as commissioning editor of the Guardian <laughs> to make sure you got the interview with. I mean, I would have done the same.
0: Yeah, I'm. Yeah, just really glad my uh, my editor didn't call my bluff when I said that I would resign on the spot if she didn't let me do the arson interview. Um,
3: yeah. One
0: hundred percent bluffing, but
1: um, I'm, yeah, I'm just glad she didn't call that. Um absolute triumph. It's a really it a really good piece as well, really interesting piece. Thank you. Um so just to say there's a lot to discuss today, Chris, and I know we haven't got that much time because we've both got to be off to the bloody Finsbury Park um, picture house for the premiere of the Arsene Wenger film Invincible this very evening. Um so let's get down to so basically we've got the match. I mean the match uh up on Sunday, that's not much to discuss, is there? It was a fairly it was it was a good I thought it was a good solid result, Jeff. Um, the team, This team seems to be going places now. We're fifth in the league. We're a couple of points behind Liverpool. We're ahead of Man United. It's all quite extraordinary, isn't it, at the moment? Um, how are you feeling about the situation?
3: It's, it's an amazing turnaround. Uh, and and I, I, I definitely can see the, the development that he's, he's, he's made on the boys over the course of the time. Um, you, again, it's the spine of the team that we've got now. Um, he's very very strong. The goalkeeper looks fantastic. I like his character, the way he goes about his business. I think that he's he's brought in, uh, and I think this is part of Arteta as well. The passing, when he's he, he does them, uh, you know, they, he just he's passing. He's passing so so much better than what we've seen in the past. Um, Gabriel, Ben White. Ben White looks so. I know it's 50 million pounds, but he looks cheap for what we for what we wanted. Right now, he uh, gives us that. Uh, when when teams do want to high press us, he can take three, four players out just with, with the way he carries himself out with the ball, you know. And and even if they don't high press us, that you know that the one forward might come to him. He'll go. He'll go past one. He'll venture into midfield, uh, and then everything opens up because the, the the defense start. They start running about where he's going to pass the ball. So it's a, it's a big change around. You got a. Uh, some some uh, defence looks so much tighter, doesn't it? And and I think when when Lacazette his last two or three games when he's come on, I think he's made a big difference again, as big a difference as when uh, we saw Saka appear a, a couple of years ago and and Smith Rowe. He has made that difference for the last three or four games. He's he, he we have we got different uh, uh, you know different ways of of playing now. Um, so mm. it all looks really really good.
1: Chris, I think like me, you were a bit. you were a bit. You've been a bit of an Arteta um, doubter. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I've, like, I've, I'm not someone who
0: who's ever wanted him sort of desperately out the next morning. But I've always, especially in the sort of the the last, the, sorry, the first three games of the season, I I sort of thought it felt like the sort of uh, that it, the end of the City game felt like the Watford match for Emery in that. It kind of we saw it was going to happen, or we thought we saw it was going to happen. A lot of us thought we did um, that it was going to sort of run its course, and we weren't going to pick up any points, and we were going to sort of drift through October and November to a to a sort of you know mid-table Champions League sort of uh, Europa is off the off the sort of cards by by December. So I was very much of a of a mindset of I didn't think it was going to work, but also I kind of appreciated that there weren't much better options out there at the time um, who would have come to us. Well, I don't think anyway. Um, So yeah, I've I've had my doubts about him. I still have my doubts about him. I have fewer doubts after the last run of uh, run of games. Um, And I do, I do think that he's probably done enough now to, to Warren, you know, just staying on for the whole campaign. I don't, I wouldn't call for him Mm -hmm. to leave before the end of the campaign at all at this stage, but I would be interested to see how this team does and where it ends up. Um, Basically I'm sitting on the fence.
1: Yeah, no, same, yeah. I mean, I feel like we've turned enough of a corner for me to feel slightly ashamed that I did call for him to go. Well, you know, I just hashtagged um, Arteta Rao a couple of times during the early early part of the season. But I feel now, he, I'm surprised the extent to which he's turned it around, I have to say, Josh, I think you I think you must be a little bit surprised.
2: Well, I think it's been slightly better than we with- would have expected in the last what, you know, since, since those opening three games that were a disaster, but I was the one calling for a degree of calm after those first three games in the thought that, you know, it was just a, a pretty unique set of circumstances and, and fixtures that meant that we were, you know, rock bottom. I mean, it's, it is amazing. I think we were nine points behind yeah. Tottenham after three games to what we now four clear of them. It's an extraordinary turnaround that, um, you know, pretty much makes us the in-form, you know, Premier League side. So, I don't know. I mean, I remember being on this podcast with you three, four games in and Trevor Harris rejecting the idea that we could finish in the top 10 and telling me that it wasn't a worthwhile investment, at, at, you know, just over one um, one to two on in the, in the betting. And now the discussion is are you an Arsenal fan that thinks we're challenging for the top four or are you an Arsenal fan that we're challenging for the top six? Those are, you know, in such a short space of time, those seem to be the, the two camps of uh, of school that we're in. And and right now with United the way they are, with Spurs having, you know, dropped hugely, it's, um, it's an amazing season to think we could come forth. And is this the season more than any other where without European football, we have to try and, you know, capitalize and get back in European football's top table. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm feeling uh, I, I wouldn't say surprised how well, how well it's been turned around, but I feel slightly vindicated. And you must be slightly feel you had the right to do Arteta out after three games. You must be slightly surprised. That we're two points behind Liverpool at this stage of the season. I mean, come on, that is that is extraordinary. It? Yeah, it's amazing. Look, Liverpool defensively have have not been you know not been what, what they were obviously. Alisson had a pretty well, arguably, Alisson was a you know had a role to play. All three West Ham goals um, at the weekend, and you go with a little bit of hope in the game after the international break, thinking we look like we're more solid at the back than we've been in a long time. We look like we can score goals, and maybe there's an opportunity to go there. I mean, if we go there and avoid defeat. Wow. I think the whole energy of the whole club changes because that'll be the first time in a while that we can go, well, we've gone from being smashed five nil at city to being able to basically with the next nearest competitor, yeah, you know, put up, a, put up a real fight. So the, the swing of reaction around the club in these next few games, I think is, is huge. If we go there, roll over three nil or whatever, so the difference that can come with any sort of positive result is uh is brilliant, so yeah, hugely mm. exciting, Boyd.
1: Yeah, very exciting. I think the only the, the, the only the real bone of contention of, of the game, Jeff. Um was the goal coming from the, the, us not giving the ball back on this throw in the whole throw in controversy do you well yeah you're, you, i mean Pardon. is it really a controversy to you know
3: listen i don't care i absolutely love it this is not this is you know we we've, we've, we've had for the last few years we've had a bit of a, a soft Underbelly, uh, a soft underbelly of, of Arsenal Football Club, uh, and, and to, to to do to do stuff like that is, is absolutely glorious, and that's what we need. We need more of it. We definitely need more of it.
1: Yeah, Chris, what, what, did you did you when that happened? First of all, I thought it was interesting, like watching it back on TV. They didn't even notice. They didn't even mention it. The commentators on Sky had absolutely no mention at all that, that this you know, even contributed to the goal. They just kind of. Barely even noticed it happened and then it became a thing when I don't know Jamie Jamie Redknapp pointed it out, and that, and then all the kind of pundits agreed that it was unsportsmanlike of us not to give the ball back when they kicked it out to their because their player was down, who clearly wasn't seriously injured, and then we took it and we kept position and we scored. What was your feeling?
0: <laughs> yes, I mean at the time, I mean I was I was at the match and quite low down on the sort of north lowest. I didn't have couldn't actually see too much. You know, you don't have the depth of perspective. Um, so I didn't. I didn't clock that that was, and that, that there was a a player down, and they'd kick the ball out. I just thought that the defender had sort of fumbled it out. Um, so at the time, I didn't care. Um, then I came back and saw the highlights, and when I when you watch the sort of highlights, I think it was on like the Sky uh, player that I was using. They they actually didn't even show the sort of the the player going down. They just showed it from the throw on. Yeah. So at that stage, even then, I didn't know and didn't care. And then obviously, as you say, Jamie Redknapp pointed it out um, and it sort of went round on Twitter and stuff. And then then you see the incident and frankly, I still don't care. Like They were, uh, they were quite strategically sort of doing what they could to break up momentum, you know, yeah. tactical, uh, rotational fouling, players going down for no reason, just trying to break up the, the flow of play. So I've got no sympathy for them whatsoever. It was naive of them to kick the ball out there and think that we're going to give it back. Um, I do think Arteta probably needs to say to the players that there's a chance that teams are going to start doing similar sort of uh, unsportsmanlike, if you want to call it that, uh, conduct against us, and we need to be a bit more aware of that, a bit a bit more savvy about what we're doing. Um, but no, I don't care at all. Like if, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend half the game just sort of doing what you can to be you know to break up play and stuff like that, then you can't be can't be too upset when teams are going to do what they can to keep the flow going.
1: Yeah, Danny Rose like committed about like loads of fouls. Some of them quite bad, and barely didn't didn't even get booked, did he? Um, yeah, that was nonsense. That, that was. I mean, yeah, you're right. The, the context. I think the context does matter in this case because you, you can't. really expect a team to be that sporting. I'm not even sure if um, if who took the throw in for us. If he even noticed, you know, yeah, like is that, that right? He was all very quick, wasn't he? he wanted, the, the fact the fact that he was the one who took the throw in is indicative of the fact, you know, that it wasn't the fullback who did it. He was just trying to trying to. Do as quick as possible, and he was being really urgent and not really paying much attention to how the ball ended up. No, Josh, you don't agree. Well, it was it was right in front of me.
2: I sit in that corner. Oh, okay. As soon as the whole thing happened, I went, I can imagine what's gonna happen if we score here. And oh, did you? Okay. It's amazing uh how many times that seems to happen. But that shows you what one footballer being out of position can do to a, a passage of play and to the other players feeling like they've got to overcompensate or how they react because they're so used to a, a structure. And to be fair, Watford, you know, did, did well in large patches of, of the game on that. So, no, I think the opposite. I think Lacazette taking that throw is even, like, we've got to get going quicker because there's a man out of position here um, and we have to take advantage of that and we're more likely to, to do that. So, no, I, um, I definitely think that the players are aware of what they're doing but felt entitled to because either Rose was just getting up or they didn't feel it was a significant enough situation for them to stop. So I think there was a, a very deliberate uh, action going on there, which, well, I mean, that was the difference between drawing and winning. So do you think it was unsportsmanlike then? Um, no, I don't think it was unsportsmanlike. If you can argue, you can see the player getting up, if they're down and it's not significant enough that they need to call upon someone to, to treat that injury then I mean, th- we, this wasn't FA Cup Sheffield United 1999 vibes when you know Canu and Overmars wasn't it? Just you know, completely went you know against a static Sheffield United defense, and you know we offered to, to replay the game, which I presume is the last game Arsenal have ever offered to, to replay, and, and probably ever ever will be. So it wasn't anything like that, which was unsportsmanlike. Um, but i um i do understand look you'd be upset if it happened against you but i think Arsenal entitled to do what they did
3: if you if you factor in the systematic failing that they carried on throughout the game like like it's already been mentioned with the fouls and stuff like that and the the total anti football uh, uh you know that was a bit naive wasn't it they? they they switched off at the end of the day yeah you you've got to play the whistle got, you got you might you can't ref the game yourself you have got to let the referee ref the game and if they if they're naive enough, or they, they went asleep for two or three seconds, you know, like you've already said, you know, we we, we was, um, we, I think we deserved it anyway, to be honest with you. And to be, I, I think we should have won. It, I think it was more a three 0 game than a one 0 game. Really, mm. if you if you factor in the the missed penalty, Miss penalty
1: yeah.
0: you know,
3: and the and the Bamian when he the offside goal, I think we was we was yeah. worthy of it. Well
1: Bamian, well, Bamian, Chris had almost like a kind of it's like one a bizarrely terrible, disastrous effect on the on the game, didn't he? Really, if we hadn't won, it would have been um, quite shocking.
0: Yeah, I d- I do think he d- he definitely didn't have his best game, and he sort of almost had like a hat trick of. Terrible incidents, really. Obviously, missed penalty, offside goal. Um, but I do what I, what I liked was the response of the crowd, especially after the penalty. Um, he was clearly having a, a bad game, but um, you know, after the penalty, he missed. I think that the ball came very quickly back to to us, to the north bank for a Norwich corner, I think, and, and the, the fans were obviously singing his name. So I, I like, I really like that. That, that I don't think he would have got that. Um, well last season if they had crowds at all when he was dropping bad performances I do think that this is probably just an isolated performance that you're going to get from a striker over the age of sort of 32 or whatever Um, I think he's going to have bad games we've got to try and ride them out Um, the issue is obviously if you've already got Lacazette on the pitch what do you do do you trust you know someone like Martinelli or Balogun or Enketio to come on um, and sort of do his role when you're sort of chasing a goal. I don't really think you can justify taking him off. He's the top scorer at the club. Oh
1: yeah, I agree. Um, but do you so think Lacazette think should take the penalty? Lacazette's never missed a penalty for us.
0: Yeah, but if he missed that penalty after basically being concussed by uh, the defender, it would have been we'd be arguing about why he was allowed yeah. to, to take the penalty. So <laughs> I, I see why Abamyang took it. But um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see who takes the next one.
1: It will, yeah, it will. I think all, all in all, it just it, it, that the game just served to underline that you know the various positive things that we found a way a form a way of playing a formation is four four one one systems working really well. The defence looks really solid most of the time. As you said, Jeff Benjamin White advancing, marauding up the pitch with the ball is is working for us every. He does it a few times every game. I just think it's. I mean, there's and then we also throw you know, in the England squad announced and, you know, it's just, there's a lot to be, a lot to be very happy about, isn't it? I think it is, at this moment in time, we must savour this uh, period of positivity.
3: I just think we've got footballers are more comfortable with a football round them now. You know, a lot of them are, yeah. are, are two footy. Even Tavares, you look at the option that, you know, the ceiling's been raised like we were talking about a few podcasts ago. This is what we needed to do. Uh, Tavares has come in. Nuno, bless him. He's come in and, and he gives, he, you know, he gives some stuff very, very similar to uh, Tierney a little bit more, I think, because he can go inside as well as outside. He can come in on his right foot, and when you're playing against a, a, a full-back and they don't really know which side you're going to go with Kieran Tierney, you, you know really what he's going to do. He's going to try and out. He's going to get try and get across the grass quicker than what he, you know the defender can and whip a ball in. But with with uh, Nuno, he can cut inside. He can have a shot. He can sling one in, and it gives us all different different options. And you will get you, you get that a lot now. Even with maitland Niles, he's coming to the midfield. I think he played really, really well the weekend. Yeah. It's another option. Again, we're raising the ceiling, so mm-hmm. there's, there's competition all over the pitch, and that, uh, and if you're winning games, right, the, the competition gets higher, and you know it raises everything. And you know, hopefully, we carry on. I mean, Liverpool's going to be the game, isn't it? That's going to be yeah. the tough one. That game, hundred
1: percent. Yeah, right. That's enough about the match. We've got some very exciting. Um, Star-studded glorification of uh, recent in-person events and we've got to talk to Chris about his interview with Arsene Wenger and we've got to talk about the film and we've got to talk about an audience with Arsene Wenger last night. But we'll take a quick break before all that.
3: Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike, e-bikes that are cool AF.
1: And we're back from the break. Shall we start, where should we start? Should we start just quickly with last night? Um, were you there, Chris, last night? But was in that one one major Arsenal-related um, event tonight enough for you? In uh... Uh, I,
0: I wasn't there. I wasn't there last night. Um, no, I, I I actually didn't even know about it until it, until I saw it on Twitter, and then had like a sort of pang of jealousy, being like, I've, I know I've already had a bit of time with Arsenal, but it yeah, more. So yeah, I was overcome with jealousy that everyone was that everyone was there.
1: Yeah, we were lucky because um, Dermot O'Leary was hosting the Q and A with Arsene Wenger and David Dean, So, because um, we know because we know Dermot, he he invites us. Absolutely, i indebted to him. Um, he did a brilliant job, didn't he? I mean, I know he's our friend and everything, but he I was he did a genuinely brilliant job. Of he asked everything pretty much of Arsene Wenger. It was epic. First of all, wasn't it? it was like two and a half hours, we should say, including those auctions. It was all for charity, the Twinning Project charity. We um, should look that up. It's a really good charity involving um, ex ex prisoners and finding um, work via football. But he asked all the questions. He asked stuff quite difficult stuff towards the end about like why uh, uh, Arsenal awesome if wants the two year World Cup every two years. He asked about whether he should have left earlier, whether he should have left after the FA Cup final against Chelsea. You know, on a high. It was you know like and and you know obviously
2: went through his career and everything. It was it was it was pretty fantastic, wasn't it, Josh? It, it wasn't absolute credit to, to Dermot because look, we're all big Arsenal fans, and Dermot obviously a big season to get holder uh, like like you, and he had a lot of knowledge in, in his head and, and remembering sort of specific moments and games, and that's not easy. And um, I think, of course, like. Dermot would be the first to say he is a fan at heart and for him to do that even with everything Dermot has done in his career I'm sure was still quite a special um thing last night and he, he couldn't have marshaled it better I wrote to him earlier that he marshaled it as well as Tony Adams marshalling the back four in peak 1990s Arsenal format and style and I thought that um yeah, I, I thought it was a lovely balance, and and there was obviously David Dean up there on stage. We should say with him who who spoke very well, and if David Dean was of course there until two thousand and seven, and there was probably a bit more of a weight on the talk to, to that period of Arsenal, but that was also the more successful um, period of, of the Arsene Wenger reign, and just to hear all his stories and, and memories there in person and to have so many different players from his time at the club there as well. I mean, we we walked past... Um so many legends just walking in and just in the foyer and they were sort of down in the front seats, and then I know they had their drinks um afterwards. And for them it was a big honor as, as well to to be there, um, and for all of them to to meet and spend a little bit of time um with each other as well. So yeah, huge credit to, yeah. to Derma and to the Twinning Project for putting it on. If I had one thing I took away from it, it was Wenger's Regret at the way he handled the semi-final in the year where Arsenal potentially could have gone on to to win a treble. The year where Wayne Bridge, of course, so sadly broke all of our hearts with a with a late goal um, at Highbury. And Wenger was talking about how we played too strong a team that semi-final. But I then went I went to look today, Boyd, at that, that semi-final team that he played, and he actually had Henri on the bench for that game. So it's, it's, it's interesting, like, I'm sure, you know, had I had that team line up in, in front of me and been interviewing, you would have gone, well, you did leave out Thierry. So you, it must have been in your, in your mindset as well. But who else would you have left out? Because, you know, we had Ali up, up front, you know, that day in a semi-final of, of the FA Cup, which, and I like Jeremy, but with, you know, with all respect to the, to the other players Arsenal mm. had at the time, you know, that would have been an interesting selection. So, yeah. yeah he's, he was forget- saying that, yeah. we were going for a trip. April two thousand and four. We were we were heading for a treble, but it yeah. sadly wasn't. A bit.
1: Yeah, Wenger was basically saying he should have paid more attention to the Champions League because we had won that, and we had already won two doubles. So he was like in in, in weighing up, you know, what are the emphasis. Of course, he had, these games were like coming three days, you know, at a time, etc. But he did he did outright say that he picked the wrong team in that in that in that game and should have rested more players and should have played more. Jeff did you, you didn't get it, this this event was also available you're, you know you're miles away but this event was also available to watch on via um the website I think is where you didn't get to watch it at all
3: No um, I'm, I'm I'm looking for a link I I, 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 I will you, be watching it Yeah it, you can pay website, to yeah. watch
1: it I think Yeah I think if uh, you um yeah, if you google I've,
3: I've heard a lot about it and it looks it looks like yeah. it was it was fantastic yeah. and uh, yeah. all the players were there wasn't they you know uh, Yeah
1: Vieira was Hildes, there um Grim, Gilles Grimondi, <laughs> brilliant to see, who's looking very like eccentric uh, these, these days. Um, who else was there, Josh? There was um, Martin Keown, your friend Martin Keown. Ian Wright. Ian Wright. Ian, Ian Rayman. Wright Co-hosted it, yeah.
2: Um, Jens Lehman. I've Philip. Senderos. Senderos, yes. Um, Ray Parler. Um, there were a few non-Venga players as well. I mean, Charlie Nicholas was there. Paul Davis was there. Paul Davis, yeah. yeah. And then Look. there are a few non-Arsenal. Um, David Moyes David James, was there. Yeah, Moyes, um, Roy, Roy,
1: Roy Hodgson, Glenn Hoddle. Was there? Yeah. I mean, actually, David Moyes was the one that surprised me the most. David Moyes arrived slightly late and walked down the centre aisle of the Palladium and Ian Wright was like, David Moyes is here. I was like, why is David? I mean, because like, Glenn Hodley he played under Arsene Vega for Monaco, but I didn't know the yeah. David Moyes connection. Everyone, you know, he got a good response because he's doing brilliantly at West Ham. Um, but it was an astonishing night. But since neither of you were there, I feel going on about it anymore would be gratuitous. But, Chris, we have to ask you, interviewing Arsene Wenger for The Guardian, what the fuck was that like? Did it live up to your expectations? Were you nervous? Uh, I, was, I,
0: w- I was very nervous, yeah. I mean, I, I, I tend to get a bit nervous before interviews, but this one especially, just because, I mean, obviously, you don't want him to think that you're a dick, because um, it's <laughs> Arsene Wenger. Um, so the But then mainly the time pressure as well. I think I had about 45 minutes with him. And, you know, this is a man that, you know, I grew up, well, everyone, you know, spent 22 years taking in his every word. So there's quite a lot to to try and condense down into 45 minutes. And obviously without going over um, old ground that's been covered before and trying not to cover too much of what he's already said in the documentary. So it was quite, it was like quite technically tricky. And, and for that reason, I was nervous, but it did really live up to um, the, what well, what I wanted it to be, basically. Uh, both in terms of the interview itself and 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 how it came out at the end. I was pretty happy with that. Phil Dowst, my editor, did a very good job on um, turning what was a love letter into a respectable interview. Um, so thanks, Phil. Um, and, yeah, I think with, during the interview itself, it, it, I almost felt like I was just sort of back at one of his – not that I was ever at, physically at one of his press conferences, but sort of just back watching his press conferences from back in the day. He's, I found it interesting that he still – he sort of slipped – Slightly, he would say, in this stadium, talking about the Emirates, but obviously he's in his office in, in FIFA in Zurich. So it's, it's interesting that I think he probably felt that way a little bit as well, the way he slips back into talking as though he's still at Arsenal, which, um, yeah, quite, quite poignant, really. But, um, yeah, it was a really rewarding experience, I think, and um, I was really, really lucky to, to have the opportunity.
1: What was the most, um, what was your main takeaway? Like, was there a thing that you said that, that surprised you or intrigued you,
0: there was nothing in there that surprised me, especially having seen the documentary before. He, I felt like he was in a very similar mood to, to to how he was in the documentary. In the documentary, it's sort of very celebratory. but There's also an air of sort of regret and sort of sorrow about the way things ended. And so he was in a quite reflective mood. And Arsene Tens, I think he has basically two modes, doesn't he? He's either talking in depth about football, um, you know, the, every sort of small last detail, or he's talking sort of quite philosophically about, you know, I'd ask him if he's happy and he'd say, okay, but first we need to define happiness. And so he'd <laughs> literally go on, like start talking like a sort of philosopher king. Um, So there was nothing in there that really surprised me. I, the, the main takeaway is just the um, the thing that, the, the, my main takeaway was just how much he sort of punished himself for this, to, to maintain this level of competition. I, I know some people are, dubious of that and they think there's a bit of um sort of revisionism there and he's maybe trying to cast himself as a bit of a martyr um but i was just i don't i think it's genuine i was just struck by how someone can be that driven that they would just to have such a single-mindedness about one thing that they devote their entire life to it at the expense of basically everything else um i just found that quite incredible and interesting on, on like a human level um, but yeah, it was very rewarding. Yeah,
1: because he's talked about his his that he, TC he, his daughter, his relationship with his daughter, and how he hasn't really he felt guilty that he hasn't really given devoted enough time to her, and that he that, that yeah, he pretty much says that explicitly, doesn't he? The...
0: Yeah, and I was wholly unsurprised when I asked him if if he could do it all again, would he strike a different balance? And he was just very unequivocally said no, very quickly. <laughs> so yeah. I found that unsurprising, but I guess that just that just shows the sort of level of commitment he has to to his passion. All yeah it's quite selfish as he says
1: yeah right yeah in the film it's quite interesting in the film jeff because um alex ferguson um pops up quite a lot to talk and, and alex ferguson is is really you know they show the clips of the classic confrontations alex ferguson was being really horrible to him at one point alex ferguson says something like you know Arsenal goes doesn't know anything about english football yes right um yeah. and then by the end of the documentary, he's talking about how his achievements are absolutely extraordinary. Particularly, I, I came away with it thinking, basically Alex Ferguson was saying that the Invincibles achievement, going unbeaten, was a gr- possibly greater achievement than doing the treble that he achieved with Man United. Mm. Um And that that is pretty astonishing, isn't it?
3: Yeah, well, it is, yeah. But you know what? I, you, you could, you could, you, you know anyway that Fergie ha- always had a great respect for, for Wenger, didn't he? I, I know there was, there was that, you know, rivalry and stuff like that. Um, but you could just tell there was, the, there was a great, um, you know, respect for him. And and it went either it, both ways, you know, uh, and you could, I knew that that was going to be pals after when they finished, you know, in yeah. football. But, uh, yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. That's another thing I'm going to look forward to as well. The, the, the Invincibles documentary, that'd be brilliant.
1: Yeah. I think it's out on, it's, it's, so uh, there's showing it, there's a premiere tonight in, in, um, Finsbury Park, and then I think it's in cinemas on Friday. Selected cinemas on Friday, and then I think it's out on DVD and Blu-ray in about another ten days, something like that, Josh. But it, it, you, you must be loving this Venga. We're in a ve- pro- 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 massive Venga fest at the mo- moment, aren't we? Like last night, an audience with the film Arsenal Invincible*. The film—it's like it, it's about time. One of the one of the big things that was mentioned that David Dean said last night was was interesting. Was when. Derma asked David Dean, "You know, what do you, what do you feel about the Arsene, how Arsene Wenger was was let go?" And he was quite angry about it and said it was stupid. And he said that you know they should make they should have made Arsene chairman or given him some role. And the fact that he hasn't been back, you know, in the three years and stuff, all of that is weird, isn't it? And it's definitely like I feel like now maybe is the time to see him back at back at the Emirates. Well, no, so I can't, nice I, to I see
3: can't see wait to know uh, the. Put the, the statue out there. That's, the, that's
2: Oh, yeah, the and the statue,
3: you know, yeah. You, yeah.
2: S- you need a statue there. Yeah. Well, well, David Dean did call for the statue last night, or at least in response to a question, just unequivocally said yes. And, and you do think that at some point there'd be a statue. But I almost wonder... Has he been offered a statue? But if they're going to do a statue, he has to come and do a kind of event right. with that statue. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm not quite sure whether he would be willing to. So I'm not sure that's a clear cut as a question as as perhaps first looks on on paper. But yeah, of course, absolutely lo- loving the uh, the Venka loving. Although you are hardcore. Two nights in a row, boy. You oh, know, yeah. last night followed by a, a, a film premiere. Last night, I look forward to to hearing about that even though you've already seen it so that makes you even more hardcore than most people that are well, going so to make... Chris Chris yeah, has already seen it as it. well
0: yeah. I've seen it a couple of times to be fair oh wow a couple <laughs> of times that I had to, back for, had to listen back for quotes and stuff but there's, a, right. there's well, a couple of people going tonight I want to meet up for a drink with as well so it's not it's not all it's not just me going because I can't no. get off with the dot it
2: is well it, 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 you know, it's absolutely right that you know this um, you know, enough time has passed now, hasn't it you know these, these three years for people to sort of you know, anger that I think was there from the fan base about how they felt has, has probably subsided a little bit. And surely it has to be part of that because of what's happened with the club afterwards. And we it didn't return to, you know, immediate glory. So maybe those that were a little bit critical um, are not quite in, in the same way. But um, you said the book... Um sorry, the film is better than the book. So what are we expecting next, Boyd? Is there a theatre production, do you think, in a in a well, couple of years' time, fun the
1: Funny to say that, because on Friday was the first performance of Mark Anthony Turnage's um Up for Grabs, which was this classical piece of music of w- which they show which that which was at the Barbican, the um the BBC Symphony Orchestra performed there with a screen showing the nineteen eighty-nine, May twenty-sixth. Defeat of Liverpool in the in the league, out that, that actually. So there's that was that was on Friday. So again, you know, I mean, that was obviously not Wenger related, but that was pre-Wenger. But, that, but in terms of Arsenal cultural moments, we are. This is like a week of weeks, isn't it, Chris? It's like it's fucking amazing right now. Yeah, definitely. I would just uh, just to go back
0: quickly on the the uh, Wenger's return to Arsenal. Part of me wonders if it's the club waiting for the optics to be better, and that we start mm. performing better. I think bringing Arsenal back when we're Finishing outside of Europe, and he. Yeah. I just I just wonder if optically that feels wrong, both for him and, and for the club. That that's my suspicion.
1: Um, yeah, I think but, you might be right. Yeah.
0: But yeah, no, you're right. It's a what what a great week to be an Arsenal fan. Um, well, as long as you were sort of a banger loving Arsenal fan, I'm sure there are a couple out there who probably aren't enjoying all of this. But um, but yeah, I think it's it it is good, and it's it's nice to be able to look back on his legacy with a bit of distance, and and especially to do it at a time when Arsenal are doing relatively well by sort of current standards as well. So it's it's very feel-good around the club uh, over the last sort of couple of weeks. So,
1: yeah. And having seen the film three times, um, <laughs> I, I've only seen, I, I thought it was really good, we could say. I think the, the review embargo is over, um, and we can say what we think of it. I, I, I was surprised, I have to say, by how... I think in the end they did cover, for example, like, it's not completely... Hey, geographic is it it's like they do you know towards the end they talk about other players players talk about how he should have left earlier maybe and you know, left it too late and there's definitely a kind of it ends quite in a quite melancholic way anyway
0: yeah it was it's really well done it's absolutely beautiful as well like it's it's hard not to feel emotional at points i think there's a point where thierry has a, has a tear in his eye from the uh the liverpool goal when we were two 0 down and him just sort of watching back that goal uh the staging's great whether it's Arson jogging through Totteridge or whether yes. it's him yes. in a dark warehouse yeah. watching <laughs> matches on, like, a huge
1: screen. It's, That's just like first... it's fucking massive, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah it's yeah. absolutely huge. Yes, it's Josh, good. Totteridge, there's a lot of Totteridge action in it. J- Josh lives in Totteridge.
2: My, my brother-in-law, who was passing through Totteridge going to go and see his, his parents, did see Wenger yesterday on a jog around Totteridge. So the stereotype... Then the rumour, it is true. He is still going on his jogs around Tottenham. I so that's wa- where to head to if you want to bump into him. Yeah, I was going to say,
0: I do wonder if after this, uh, after this film, there's going to be sort of a lot more foot traffic along those paths up in the, the woods up there. Arsenal fans hoping to bump into him
1: sort of at nine o'clock in the
0: nine Although o'clock. I've heard he gets up really early. Um, so yeah, you'd have to get out there pretty quick, I think, if you want to. Yeah, captain. of course he does.
1: Yeah.
2: Josh has seen, you've seen him in, in action, haven't you, in, in, in Tottenham? Highlight of my lockdown was being in the. Yeah. Uh, the nature reserve just, just uh close to our house and uh stopped feeling like it was a little bit tough walking uphill going quite slowly and thinking oh there's a slightly older gentleman who seems to be running how's it he? <laughs> he surely can't get past us quickly and uh yeah about a minute later some Wenger jogging by looking uh, in fantastic shape that if I'm if I if I'm looking like that at 50 I'll be de- delighted. Oh. Never mind 70. So yeah, Wenger is um is, is still jogging and a, an example to all of us about the importance of uh of of Uh, Keeping yourselves active, Boyd. Are you you jogging over Boyd to Finsbury Park for the uh, the (laughs) premiere today in his honour? Quick 5K.
1: (laughs) I mean, I I wish I was, but uh, no, he is an example. So he is. David Dean said last night
2: he's been the same whippet thin weight since he first met him. He was precise. He said 85. He didn't even just say Wenger has been the same weight. He goes, Austin Wenger has been 75 kilos from the (laughs) day I met him until today. I just thought it was like we're having a boxing weigh in or something. I'm going (laughs) to check that he's still 75. Kilo, yeah, yeah, it was a very um, niche reference. Not his most niche reference, was that was about a, a, his cardboard, wasn't it?
1: Oh yeah, David Dean told the story about when in after he went to the World Cup final in nineteen sixty six, sawing the win. then he went to the south of France in his convertible. What was it? I don't know. Um, Jaguar, Jaguar, that was it. And he claimed that French people were shouting the names of Nobby uh, Styles and stuff at him. That was a weird. That was a weird moment,
2: um, Jeff. Uh, He was. But we should say, David, I mean, you also, at this point, it's interesting hearing David Dean talk about when George Graham left the club and that he was arguing that he wanted Arsene Wenger in 1994 and was convinced he was the right man. But then the rest of the board outvoted him. He was the only one willing to take a gamble. And then when it came along, obviously, after uh, Bruce Ryok and there was another opportunity that he then managed to convince the rest of the board, even if it meant Arsene couldn't arrive until the October to to, to when he could leave Japan. So, you know, for all the love um, we all had in that period, there is a huge degree of that, that that goes towards what David Dean did in bringing Arsene Wenger to the club. So it, it was nice she, and appropriate that yeah. that was remembered last night.
1: As you say, it changed all our lives. Jeff, have you met, uh, I don't know if I've watched this before, have you met Arsene Wenger before? You, you are uh, one of his yeah. major...
3: I, only very briefly. I, I've not. I've never had the chance to sit down and have a, a conversation and speak about football with him, but yeah, that would be, that would be amazing. Uh, I've not given up, though. I've not, yeah, I've yeah. not given up, you know.
1: Never give oh, up, never give yeah, up the no. dream. No, no. Chris, is there something, in a 45-minute interview with him, I mean, I know what it's like, if you get 45 minutes I, off the top of my head, I mean, that's thousands of words of transcription, mm. isn't it? Is there anything you couldn't include in the in the finished piece that he said that you um, maybe thought was too, too, too much of an insider fan, fanboy?
0: Yeah, there was, there was, what did he talk about? There were, there was a lot more sort of, there were a lot, yeah, there were a lot of points where he sort of spoke a lot about, Sort of, his sort of philosophical like view on things and management that I tried to, I sort of tried to bait him slightly when I asked him if um, I, I did actually ask him if, uh, if Sir Alex Ferguson calling the Invincibles, the greatest achievement ever was um, indicate sort of vindicating him as having won the rivalry, uh, but he did not take the bait at all and, and very quickly pivoted towards sort of respectful comments towards Sir Alex, um, which I probably should have seen that coming to be fair. Um,
1: we well, got to give it a go, yeah. No, you got to try. You got to try because I do think I think that is the most interesting bit of the documentary is that is the Ferguson thing, um, thing.
0: Yeah, definitely. I do wonder with the because his uh, Ferguson's quote is something like the achievement stands above all others. Yeah, I do wonder what the question was that was posed. Right, because right. if if the, if the guy said, "What do you make of that?" How does that achievement rank in Arsenal' achievement? Yes, then obviously. He's not saying it So I, I wonder if he's been Stitched up a little bit No maybe Because yeah. there's no way Ferguson would throw His treble winners Under the bus like that But,
1: um, but yeah maybe. Yeah that's a good point Maybe there's a, there's a Filmmaker like Q&A tonight Isn't there Maybe someone will, will answer that Oh yeah, yeah yeah That'd be a good yeah. idea yeah. Do you know if They're with are Going tonight I didn't even know Actually, To be honest I'm not sure If I right. had to put money on it I think it probably would be
2: Yeah yeah. Well Josh oh. you're saying What he's a busy oh. man
1: He's what He's probably exhausted too after too- Last night
2: Two problems with that question. It's basically yeah. a private chat between, no, between you and I mean, Chris, <laughs> And the event has already happened by the time people are listening well, to this. So right, it's I mean, Okay. All
3: right. I Sorry.
2: just need to know. You know, frankly. I'm also a little bit upset and jealous that I'm, I'm not coming tonight. So you just, uh, and you've seen it eight times already, but you want to see the bits <laughs> about Ferguson for the ninth time. So you're popping along. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you should just, just come, just come along. It'll be fine. I'm tempted. Uh, we'll talk about it in a minute when we finish okay. recording. Yeah, we should move on. We
1: should move on. Finally, we're running out of time. We've got to get. We've got to get to the fixture puppet picture house. Um, the, the Liverpool game is our next game, isn't it? Um, after the. It's not it
2: is. And it's um one of these upcoming away games where I think I'm right in saying there aren't trains home after the game. Yeah. And we've we've got like that at um Liverpool. Yeah. We've got Man United on a Thursday night where the game won't finish till gone ten o'clock. And then we've also got uh, Leeds 5.30 going on into December. So it's a bit of a nightmare from a from a transport point of view. And I haven't seen anything about the club putting on trains in a way that they did a couple no. of years ago that was really good when they did. So um, we'll just have to get one of your private uh, chauffeur's boy to uh, to sort that out and get us all back from Old Trafford, maybe again, a bit like you did a couple of years ago. Um, I'm hugely excited for this. because mm-hmm. It feels a bit like a free hit at the moment. You know, we go there and get beat. I think as long as the manner of defeat is not, Uh, horrendous and like you know some of the previous performances we've seen but I think wow what an opportunity for Arsenal I I don't know the last time we went this many Premier League games uh, unbeaten that Liverpool are coming back off uh, a pretty poor away performance at West Ham I think it's an amazingly intriguing uh, chance to really you know see the barometer of where we are under Mikel Arteta and I think we can get a draw I think I'm going to go for a one all draw board.
1: Jeff, do you think? What's your prediction? Do you think he should stick with the formation that we've been playing recently, this four-four-one-one formation, or do you think he should change it because of Liverpool?
3: Yeah, no, I think he's. he's it's worked up to now for the last three, three, three or so games. Um, I think he's got to take a lot out of, uh, of the West Ham game versus Liverpool. West Ham was was about. All about them all the time. They didn't get no time on the ball. They was a little bit lucky as well during that game. Well, you need a little bit of luck. And you know, any team that comes away from Anfield with anything at all is that it's got needs a, needs a little bit of luck. So I'm hoping you know, Lady Luck is with us. And um, I'll take a draw. I'll take a draw out of court right now. Definitely, I'd say one yeah. one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go two two in a similar draw situation. And uh, Chris, what do you reckon? Um. I reckon.
0: I reckon we will. I reckon we'll probably lose by a goal. I think we'll remain competitive throughout, but I think I think it would be a competitive loss. I don't think we're going to get drubbed. Um, I hope he. I suspect he'll. I wonder if he'll start Erdegaard instead of Lacazette, just mm. so that we hold the ball a bit more. Okay. Uh, and then if we're chasing a goal, you can always throw on Lacazette for twenty minutes at the end. That's probably the only change I'd make from from uh, from the weekend, and maybe Tierney back in for a bit of maturity because. Tavares is great, but he's um I think he just sort of lacks a bit of experience and maturity to know how to deal with sort of tougher situations than he's sort of had thrown at him so far. Yes,
2: yeah, so so it's a hell of a game. Middle. It's a hell of a game for the fullbacks. Um and I'm a little bit you'd you worry a little bit about Tomiyasu being up against any of that front um, through from, from from Liverpool. Um yeah i'm a bit nervous. i would play lacazette from the start i think he's more effective when he when he's been starting the games of late and you know if you get a good 60 65 minutes out of, out of lacazette especially in the role that he's been playing of, of late and i think it's credit to lacazette that he couldn't get in the team for the first two months of the season that he has taken the opportunity um after very impressive substitute cameos so you no if my role in the team is going to be playing a bit deeper and getting across the pitch and doing a bit more of the donkey work, then I'll do it to keep my place in the team. And I I hope he does keep his place on the team. And let's hope we don't get any injuries over the international break. Although uh, it'd be nice to see Smith Rowe get his first cap um, now that he's been called up into the, into the squad. So uh, yeah, um, I, I think, I think we're good enough for a, a draw there. Hopefully. Yeah so so
1: um thank you so much uh to jeff to josh and to chris chris's uh interview with in of venga is at the guardian online you can read it online the headline which i should say i really like was when i lose it, i lose it in a dangerous way i like the idea of dangerous <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: loving pizza slices at
1: everyone yeah exactly uh we're off to the uh to see the film and we'll report back. Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, We'll be back just after the Liverpool game. We'll we'll be on a little international break. See you then. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at
3: playbackmedia.co.uk.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: Sick of being upsold at gyms? (laughs)